Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. Today's title is Jesus Deploys. And uh, for the weeks leading up to Easter, we are going to practice abiding in Jesus by spending time with him in the Gospels, retelling, reliving some of the stories that just never get old. Jesus came and taught us about the kingdom of God, and today we're going to be really honing in on that a little bit more. Uh, But he taught us not just through his words, through his sayings, through his teachings, but also through the way he lived, the choices he made, the miracles and the wonders that he performed. As, As Pastor Craig just shared one of them, raising that young man from the dead, the people he related with, the truth that he would speak to power and the laughter that he would share with sinners and with saints and the love that he would pour out on a daily basis. (laughs) During this season of Lent, I want to keep encouraging us that we grow in our love relationship with Jesus, that we get to know him better, that we stretch our capacity to enjoy him. What does that mean? That means that you don't start yawning after three minutes of worship but that you are stretching your capacity to enter into the worship time and enjoy that moment with him. I want to encourage us to learn, to focus on him, grow in our love relationship with him. Because as we talked about last week, when we were talking about Jesus delivers, there is an enemy. There is a devil. He does want to distract you. He does want to give you other stuff to think on. He does want to take your attention off of Jesus. But the scripture tells us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the author, the finisher of our faith. And so during this time, every week, the title starts with Jesus and then something that Jesus does. And so I want you to pay attention, to tune in, to allow the power of God to speak to you as we come up on Easter. Amen. So today is Jesus Deploys. And we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 10. And I'm going to read... The first 20 verses, so it may feel a little long to you, but this is an important passage of scripture that where we learn how Jesus sent out people for the kingdom work. So let's begin. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 1. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. 
Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on judgment day. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Yes, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. Then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. (laughs) Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I pray for your anointing on this word today. I pray for your anointing on my speech and my ability to share what you put on my heart. I pray for our ears to be open, our hearts to be ready for the word of God to be planted, that it would be good soil that takes root and brings forth much fruit. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that Jesus did while he was here on earth, was deployed others to take the good news. So in last week's text, we we heard about the man that had been delivered from those evil spirits. And Jesus told him to go and tell his family the good things that God had done for him. And it says that he went to the Decapolis or the Ten Cities. He went to a large space, telling everyone what God had done for him, worshiping God, and the people were amazed. 
So marketers have learned that when people have a really good experience with a business, like, like a retail place or a store or a restaurant, they will tend to tell three other people, <laughs> when something good happens to you, it is natural that you want to share the good news. Well, in today's text, Jesus is sending out 72 disciples in pairs. So there's some differences in some of the manuscripts that this comes from. And sometimes it says 72, sometimes it says 70. We're not going to go into that, but you would be amazed at all the interesting thing that commentators have to say just about the number of disciples. But here's the deal. They went out in pairs. And let's make a few observations about this deployment. For one thing, Jesus must have had a very busy schedule. Because this, even when you take that and divide it by two and they're in pairs, that's 36 people dispersed out, deployed out to the cities that Jesus was going to be coming to. So he had quite an itinerary ahead of him. Jesus tasked these workers to something before he even sent them out. And that was to pray for more workers. In verse 2, he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into his harvest. I invite you to join me in this prayer. On our mission trip to Cairo in 2019, the leaders there encouraged us to join them. We set an alarm on our phone to go off each day at 10.02 from this passage, Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And it reminds me to pray every day this prayer for the Lord to send workers into his harvest. I often include an extra request that God would make me a good laborer in his harvest. We have much work to do right here. In this harvest field called Vienna Assembly of God, I invite you to please join me in this prayer that God will help each of you, each of you, to be good workers in his harvest and that he will continue to send more workers. And then pray for our missions family. Pray for your own harvest field. Those areas of influence in your life, your family, your workplace, your school, your community. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into each of these fields. Jesus deploys. <laughs> Jesus doesn't just sit back. He has sent us out. He engages with us and deploys us, and he's asked us to pray to the Lord of the harvest to continue to deploy, to continue to send workers. Now, for this particular deployment, they were not taking any extra baggage. Their needs would be taken care of by the people hosting them in each place. And they had a specific task to perform and a specific message to proclaim. They were to heal the sick. Thank you, Lord. Just as Pastor Craig said, God is a healing God. <laughs> when he sees sickness, he wants to see it healed. And that's one of the main things that they were sent to do. Heal the sick. 
And then they were to proclaim, the kingdom of God is near you now. Now, this is a message that these disciples have heard Jesus himself proclaim. We read in Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, it says this, Later on, after John was arrested, that's John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So we're going to break that down here in just a minute. But he also said to these workers that he was sending out, it wasn't necessarily going to be easy. They might face rejection. But if they did, Jesus told them just to shake the dust off of their feet. He didn't make them responsible for the place's response. What was their responsibility? To just go and do what Jesus told them to do. You're not responsible for how people respond to the good news, but we are responsible to proclaim the good news. So, this shaking the dust off their feet, that was a public declaration in the streets of that particular town whenever that would happen. Jesus said that the town's judgment would be severe. But even in that moment, as they're shaking the dust off their feet, they're still proclaiming the kingdom of God is near. So let's dig into that a bit more. What does that mean, the kingdom of God? What do you think of when you think of kingdom? I mean, in this day and age, are you seeing the, the Disney castle? Is that what you see when you think of kingdom? What are these ideas? What is God's kingdom? We might have a vague sense about it, but could you really explain it to somebody else? The language gets a little lost in translation. And so I want us to focus in here a minute and learn a little bit, what do we mean when we say the kingdom of God? So when Jesus was preaching the good news, here's what he said. The time promised by God has come at last. That word time is the word kairos, which is different from the word time chronos, which just means, you know, the click clock or the calendar or that kind of time. Kairos means the appointed time. The promised time. It has finally arrived throughout the story of the Bible. The promise is embedded in that, that God is sending his Savior to us. And that it will happen at the time that God has chosen. And Jesus is now proclaiming, it's here. The time has come. And then he says, the kingdom of God is near. So the king, is this someplace you go when you die? <laughs> is it, is it a ge geography? What, what is this? The kingdom of God is near. It is a word of location, not time. But what this is saying is that it has come near. The kingdom of God is now so close to you that you can touch it. You can be a part of of it, heaven can rush around you. 
in Jesus' discourse of the good news, he then says, repent and believe the good news. So repent is a word that maybe you have some images of that as well. And, and maybe they don't turn you toward God. Maybe they make you feel a little weird. Like, what is that word repent? It, it literally means change your mind. Change the way you see the world. Change your priorities. When the kingdom of God has come near and you now can suddenly see things the way God is presenting them to you, it, it prompts us to then repent and to change. And then lastly, believe. <laughs> this word believe is not an intellectual word. It is a relational word. You are to believe in the one whom God has sent, Christ Jesus. As Jesus told these that he deployed in Luke, he said, if they believe you, they are believing me. If they receive you, they are receiving me. And if they receive me, they're receiving the Father. If they reject you, it works that way too. But this belief is fully putting your trust in. Not just saying, yes, I believe that God could do something for me if he wanted to. It is trusting that, in fact, he has done it. He has done it. So let's look at a little bit more about the definition of the kingdom of God. Here's one that's great. I, I got this from James Chung. He says, the kingdom of God is where God, where what God wants to happen actually happens, <laughs> where what God wants to happen actually happens. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, where what God wants to happen actually happens. Here's some more info on the kingdom of God. This is from scholar Scott McKnight, and I think this is just just five things to understand that must be a part of our understanding if we're going to really grasp what is the kingdom of God. First thing, there is a king. You cannot have a kingdom without a king. In the Bible, it is always proclaimed God is king and then Jesus as king. There is no scenario. There is no time where there's the kingdom of God, where there's not King Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the king. And that is just part and parcel of understanding the kingdom of God. You have to have a king. Secondly, there is rule. There cannot be a king without the king ruling, having dominion. But here's the thing about God's kingdom that we see in both the Old Testament and the New. In God's kingdom, his rule is always preceded by his covenant redemption. He doesn't go and just conquer people and say, boom, I'm your king. He redeems people. He sets people free. And that's how you become a part of his kingdom. He, in covenant love, redeems us. 
He redeemed his people out of Egypt, carried them into the promised land. And that's when his rule over them as king began. And in the New Testament, Jesus died for our sins, redeemed us from the curse. And when we believe in him, his rule begins in our life. The kingdom of God has a king. The kingdom of God has rule. But that rule is dependent on his covenant redemption of us. And when we are redeemed, now we're part of his kingdom. And there is a people That might seem obvious, but the reality is the kingdom of God is made up of people. There is not it's not a king over stuff. It's the king over us. The kingdom of God is the people of God made up of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and expanded to include all of us who believe redeemed people who are ruled by King Jesus. Well, in this kingdom, there's a king, there's a rule, ruling over people, and there is law. There is a law, a principle that runs this kingdom. You will hear me say that phrase a lot of time, kingdom principles. We want to live by the principles of God. The kingdom cannot operate without a set of ethics, a pattern for what life is is meant to be in this place where what God wants to happen actually happens. So God gave the law in the Old Testament through Moses. And then in the New Testament, Jesus fulfilled the law, but he continued to teach us ethics. For example, the Sermon on the Mount. His followers in the early church continued his teaching. As we are in the kingdom of God, we don't just make up the rules on our own. God has given us the principles of his kingdom and shown us how to live so that what God wants to happen can really happen. Amen? Amen. The people of God form themselves. That's spiritual formation, allowing um, practices within our lives that will change us we are a transforming community we continue to grow we are called to flourish right here right now and that happens as we abide in Jesus are transformed according to the laws of God as a sign that we are being ruled by King Jesus and the last thing that may seem a little um Interesting to to think about, but a kingdom includes land. The story of God's people of Israel cannot be separated from the promise of the land where he was taking them. The kingdom was always connected to the land where the temple would be. So what happened to that land promise when Jesus arrived? Now, Jesus is on the scene. The people have been living an exiled existence, even though they were now back in Israel, back in Jerusalem. They weren't still in Babylon. They weren't still in Assyria, but they were still living an exiled existence. They were still under Roman rule. What happened? Jesus said, the kingdom is near, so close you can touch it. The temple 
is now in Jesus. Jesus said, one greater than the temple is among you. And then after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we learn that we, we, the redeemed people, have become the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. This flesh and blood made from the clay of the ground. We are the land of the kingdom of God. We are now a mobile, deployed kingdom in this earth. Wherever we are, the kingdom is there. We are deployed, my friends, and God is at work in us to bring the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom is near. Jesus sends us out. Even in the middle of a global pandemic where we have been isolated and hunkered down, God has used this season to also help us to reach out, to expand our influence. And that just kind of is mind-blowing when you think about the reality of how God's kingdom works. But to build connections and to do the work of the kingdom. And as we move forward in this year, in 2021... I believe a redeployment is in our future. A fresh season is coming, and I want us to be ready for it. God's word to you in 2021 is that you are to be a flourishing people. You are to be a flourishing people. And I will keep repeating it and keep repeating it because I know it's the word of God to you. This church is to be a flourishing church. This is not about me, your pastor. This is about you, the people of God. This church is to be a flourishing church, and we will be deployed sharing the good news of Jesus. When the disciples finished their tour, they came back to Jesus rejoicing. They had had a great time. It had been a success. They were excited about how the power of God had worked through them. And Jesus himself affirmed it. He said, yeah, I saw Satan falling from heaven. He saw the devil losing battles and the kingdom of God expanding to where they had been. He assured them. He had given them the authority over the power of the devil. We are deployed with what we need to do, what God is calling us to do. Do you hear me? God does not send us out without giving that authority to us. We are empowered. The kingdom of God is where what God wants actually happens. He gives us the authority to help make that happen. <laughs> and that's something to rejoice about, right? It's a wonderful reality that we are not just sitting here powerless to do anything. It can feel that way. It can feel that way. What can I do to bring change in my world? What can I do that even matters? There isn't anything that we can do in our own strength. There isn't any human answers to the needs of this world. But the kingdom of God is near. And that is the answer that people need in their lives today. And we are empowered to proclaim that. But the last thing Jesus said in today's text is this. 
He said, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. (laughs) Our rejoicing is in the fact that we are in God's kingdom. We rejoice because we have received the good news. We rejoice because we have believed the good news. We rejoice because we have changed our way of thinking and changed our priorities and changed our worldview. And I pray to God that we continue to be willing to change our minds and change our attitudes because it's not a once and done, friends. It is an ongoing reality of transformation in God that he has called us to. Colossians chapter 1 tells us this about the kingdom. Verse 13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You see, being part of God's kingdom always starts with covenant redemption. It always starts with God's love reaching out to you. It always starts with Jesus doing what it takes to save you. And that's what we're going to do as we share communion together is remember that reality. The kingdom of God is real. (laughs) It is more real than you may ever have understood. But Jesus has said that it is near and that we have been deployed now. We are deployed to share the good news of Jesus, to live the kingdom life. But the reason we can do it is because of the love of God And how he has redeemed us who purchased our freedom. How did he do that? With his own blood on the cross. And he's forgiven our sins, made us clean and ready (laughs) to be deployed in his kingdom. So if you can gather your elements. Mine are here in my pocket, friends. We have a different little thing here. From 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to take the bread in just a moment. But I want to say... If there's anyone there that you're saying, 
I want to be in the kingdom of God. I want to reach out and touch it. How do I get redeemed? It's very simple. Just exactly what Jesus told him to preach. Believe. Believe on him. Receive his free gift of salvation. And I invite you right now to do that. I invite you because Jesus, if you're hearing this, it's a sign that he's reaching to you. It's a sign that if you have not received that forgiveness, <laughs> the joy of a clean heart, he wants to offer that to you today. We aren't able to do that for ourselves. We cannot get over our own sin by ourselves. God sent his son to do that for us. Let me pray real quick with you, and then we're going to receive the bread together. Dear Father, for anyone that's listening right now, that is ready to experience your redeeming power. I just pray that they would say right now, yes. Yes, Jesus. I believe. I receive. I repent. I'll change my way of thinking about this stuff. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, we're going to remember you right now. What you did for us. <laughs> the covenant redemption that you provided for us so that we can be in your kingdom. Thank you for your broken body. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the bread. Verse 25 continues, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes Again, you remember in today's text, Jesus talked about a judgment day. He talked about a future thing that was coming. And what's one of the amazing realities of this freedom in Christ to know that we are free from that judgment, free from that sin. But we also get to look forward to this reality Every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are announcing the Lord's death until what? Until he comes again. It is a promise embedded in everything in the scripture about the kingdom of God that Jesus is coming again for us. And so I want to encourage you today as we receive this cup, this covenant blood that has sealed our redemption and I know that's a lot of theological words and everything, but this is the symbol that reminds us. Jesus said, do this to remember. This helps remind us on a regular basis. We need a Savior, and his 
blood cleanses us from unrighteousness, and we receive that gift from him. I'm going to pray over the cup, and then we'll receive it. Jesus, thank you. We remember you today. We remember that you suffered, bled, and died for us. And we remember that you rose and that you promised you are coming again. Ah, our hearts look forward to that day, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the cup. The worship team is going to come back up and join me. We're going to get ready, though. We want to seal this moment in worship. We're going to sing the song, Savior King. <laughs> Jesus is our Savior. He has redeemed us. We are now in his kingdom. He is our king. So I invite you to just finish out this day with this sealing this moment in worship before the Lord. And I love you so much. I'll see you again this week. Let now the weak say I have strength by the spirit of power that raised Christ from the and now the poor stand and confess that my portion is If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcast and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.